Secret Dinosaur Cult. Secret Dinosaur Cult. Secret Dinosaur Cult. Jodie Hagen of Forrest and Jodie Mitchell are doll. Have daddy issues that they go to tackle her doll. You are listening to Secret Dinosaur Cult, a comedy podcast in which we try to figure out who we are through the medium of dinosaurs. I'm Jodie Mitchell, and this is Sophie Hagen. Uh, I, we're trying to find a... <laughs> this sounds so weird. We've, we're trying to find a housemate to move into our house. And at the moment, it's between two people. One is um, Lord Buckethead. Mm. The Lord the Buckethead. I don't think I'm allowed so to say casually. his real name. Lord Buckethead. Well, I don't know if I've really understood it yet. He seemed very normal. He wasn't dressed like Lord Buckethead, oh. which is disappointing. I think he'd have a better shot. Yeah, I mean, if he actually cared, he should have committed. But he, it felt like he was like um, Superman. Like he didn't want to reveal it, even though I knew. But then apparently he didn't know that I knew. So he kept saying things like, well, I have this... Uh, that's this thing. And, um, yeah, what I'm saying is there might, I mean, things could happen. I just, it's hard to predict. I was like, you're not, you're not going to win an election. <laughs> I hope you're not going, oh, at one point I'm going to have to move. Like, no. <laughs> it just seemed like, oh, I have a deep, dark secret. <laughs> maybe Lord Buckethead is Superman. Yeah, but okay. have you have you have you ever tried to compare the <laughs> uniforms, costumes? What's it called? Costumes. I'm gonna costume? go costume. I don't think we should call it a uniform. I think that has too much legitimacy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you call it a superhero's outfit? No. Uh, suit. Super suit. Super suit. I'll take that. That's the but, Incredibles. Yes, and you know <laughs> what? Infected your brain. But also, it's called a super suit. I can see that for like Spider-Man and Superman. I wouldn't say it for Lord Buckethead. <laughs> and his super suit. <laughs> but it's between him and um I'll be honest, I don't think I don't think he'll I don't think he wants it. Um, I'd clean I'd been I'd cleaned the kitchen for two days and he was like, Yeah, this is this is like how I'd like to see the kitchen. I was like, oh, it's never looked like this before. <laughs> Holy shit, nope. Uh but then it's between this woman who seems really she seemed so cool. She said everything right. Like it was so perfect. She was. She showed up in her pajamas, being like, "I was gonna dress up, but like this is how you'll see me every day, anyways." And I was in my pajamas, like, "Yes, oh, respect." <laughs> yes, she's from mm. Finland, which is the only other acceptable Scandinavian country to be from. Uh, she just seems <laughs> super cool. Like everything about her was great. And then um, my, me and my housemate started talking about a friend we know about a thing and a thing and a thing and the whole thing was about um, one of our friends uh, this woman who dated like a piece of shit guy and then this uh, potential new housemate went oh why are women so stupid and I was like oh, oh, oh shit shit patriarchy <laughs> I just didn't know because like I've obviously been in so many situations where I've said something horrific because I was so nervous or like I yeah. didn't know but did she do the try and suck it back into my face face <laughs> you know when you've like put something out and you're like <laughs> yeah but that's how all Finnish people look so. oh right so you can't 
Sorry, I forgot that you're horrifically xenophobic. <laughs> I forgot that about you. Um, I don't because I, I was so focused on how to react myself. I was just like, oh, uh, and I didn't know what to say because you don't want like just. Uh, so I was like trying to be like, oh, well, so he, well, he was he was the psychopath. <laughs> oh, yeah, women. Oh, so dumb, so conditioned to give men so many chances and to give them so much emotional support despite of how psychopathic they are. <laughs> women, so dumb. <sighs> Allowing themselves to be manipulated. Oh. <laughs> but so, like it's between... <laughs> she makes Lord Buckethead seem really good. <laughs> but still. It's but also a, the pyjamas. But also the pyjamas. I don't think he owns pyjamas. I think he just owns... Normal, normal, normal clothes, and then like a cape. Yeah, I think she gets it, but then I think it, it's a matter of sitting her down and going, "Okay, uh, let's have a little chat with a slideshow." <laughs> Systemic oppression began here. <laughs> oh, are you, are you? What are you cooking? Oh, spaghetti bolognese. Um, hey, f- hey, funny story. Uh, women, pretty cool. Okay? <laughs> so here's the contract. So you have to sign there, there, and then here's another contract that just says, um, I agree that women are awesome. And then you sign that as well, and then I think you can move in. <laughs> she was probably just nervous, but I, I think we'll let her move in, and then I'll have to do some uh, education. I mean, the important thing is, will either of them bring large groups of people to the house? I think Buckethead would. I just call him Buckethead. Uh, <laughs> you might know him as Lord. Uh, to me, he's just hey, buck, buck, um, and he was very. He said, "Ooh, is the also I should stop because he said he was listening to this." But um, <laughs> he said, uh, "Ooh, yeah, this is enough space to entertain." And in my head, entertain just means you know to do stand up. And I was like, oh, I've, "I've not tried. Um, I would never do this smaller gig." <laughs> Stupid bucket end. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're used to. Um, so he was going to have friends over. And I don't want to know the kind of friends that Lord Buckethead has. But she was like, oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, because you can just go out in this area if you want to see people. I was like, yes. But then she doesn't like women. I'll teach her. <sighs> decisions, decisions. Yeah. So that's the very, very strange dilemma in my life right now. Have to choose between Lord Buckethead, <laughs> and it doesn't matter who else. Just the fact that I have to choose between someone. It's okay. Lord Buckethead is used to losing. I'm sure he went. <laughs> Can't be a sick burn. He didn't think he was going to win. <laughs> he was wearing a bucket. <laughs> I mean, in this current political climate, yeah, who, who knows? Fuck knows. Um, right. Uh, let's do terrible person. Are you okay, hon? I'm Jurassic, mate. You're just the worst. Try to top that bitch. Wow, you really are a terrible person. Iguana, don't even get me started. Um, this is the segment in which we tear up old shameful wounds and then force you to forgive us. Jodie, um, how were you a terrible person? I was a terrible person many years ago. Um, I was 18 years old and my friends and I had just left high school 
and everyone went on like a, a gals holiday. So everyone else in our year went to uh, like Magaluf or like the party places. And me and my two best mates decided that we were going to um, basically utilize the fact that one of our group was very rich and had family that lived in Italy. And we were going to go to the small sleepy town that they lived in that was usually a skiing village. And we were going to just chill out there. But rather than just going and peacefully doing that, we decided to be intensely arseholy and take a series of photos that we captioned as though we were on a gal's holiday in Magaluf. And they were mostly of forests, empty forests. And once we learned how to do panorama shots, we would take like sweeping panorama shots of the forest and we would caption it with stuff like, oh, it's so packed in the club. Look how many people have turned up. <laughs> or we'd take like a picture of us uh, with, we went to a, a children's fairground at one point and there was like a cool mermaid that you could ride on. I know, it was weird. Um, and there's a picture of us with it, like, Lady Gaga just turned up in the club. Sick holiday. <laughs> and we just, we uploaded them every single day and everyone got so angry with us because it was so intensely annoying. And we just persisted, like absolute knobs. And so I would like forgiveness for becoming the kind of internet presence that everyone hates. <laughs> As someone who is that right now. <laughs> What? I forgive you. Thank you. We forgive you, Thanks, guys. Uh, Sophie, how have you been a terrible person? Okay. Uh, <laughs> when I was 16, uh, I, I, had, I hadn't kissed anyone yet. Mm -hmm. And then I was at a party, and this guy... From my school, but I'd never spoken to him before. He was like, uh, do you want to go with me into this cupboard and get some uh, some beers? It was like a like a janitor's closet thing with those loads of like um, cleaning stuff and then the beers. And I was like, sure. It was also the second time ever I was drunk. So I was like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I'm finally cool. <laughs> so I went with him into this janitor's closet and he started kissing me. And I was like, whoa. What is this? This is wet. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. Now, what you need to know is that I was very, 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 very much in love with this other guy called Martinez. I was very much in love with Martinez. Um, this guy was called Martin, and I was not in love with Martin. Never spoken to Martin, didn't care about Martin. And now we were making out. And we kind of ended up like making out like on the floor. And uh, then... Martinez knocked the door <gasps> and he was like is Martin in there and then I was like shit and I was like so I got up on my knees and I kind of moved over on my knees and I opened the door very very slightly just very little mm. and I said hello and he looked down at me like what is happening and I was like Martin's not in here it's just me I was just getting beers he was like why are you on your knees I was like ah, beers anyway so I got up and I just like grabbed a few beers and I just like like squeezed myself out and closed the door behind me and I was like let's go into the other room and Martinez was like what what's in there is Martin in there and I was like oh of course he's not in there if he was in there would I do this and then I locked the door <laughs> Sophie no I opened the door again <laughs> like the next day <laughs> no 
I was exaggerating for comic effect, but you did that. <laughs> Martina's kept being there, and I couldn't. So it wasn't until the next morning I had to tell my friend to go and let him out. <laughs> you locked your sexual shame into a cupboard? <laughs> There's so much to unpick there. <laughs> he's, um, according to Facebook, he's uh, now in the army. I don't Ooh. take any responsibility. <laughs> That's, yeah. I would, I would love forgiveness for that. I forgive you for locking the less good Martinez <laughs> in a cupboard. <laughs> Now, there is a way of saying that sarcastically. <laughs> be lovely if you meant it. <laughs> oh, it feels good, doesn't it? It does. And I think this means it's now time for our favourite segment, mm-hmm. Daddy Hole. Um, of course, we will be improvising the jingle, as we always do. Yeah. Shall I take, take it away? away? The jingle? Take <clears> it away. Okay. Ain't no sons born when he's gone. <laughs> Ain't no birthday gifts when he's away. Ain't no emotional support when he's gone. And he's always gone too long because dad will never commit. <laughs> Ain't no birthday presents when he, I got another song. Yeah. Ain't no birthday presents when he's gone. Ain't no. We're just listing things of that man. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Sorry, that was an in joke from the song. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, all three of them go away because <laughs> Jody had three dads. It all left. All gone. <laughs> <laughs> so Sophie. Yeah. How did you fill your daddy hole this week? Uh, I uh, took all the food in the kitchen. Um, I live with two other people. And I threw out everything that had expired. The oldest item uh, expired in 2011. (laughs) Yep. That's abhorrent. Seven bags, seven huge bags of food I threw out. And did it work? Did he come back? No. <laughs> Jody, how did you fill your daddy hole this week? I took my mascara and my eyebrow pencil out of my makeup bag and I spent 10 minutes making them get married. <laughs> did it work? Did he come back? No. That was that. <laughs> that was that bit. I'll like it. <laughs> I'll learn to love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going nowhere. <sighs> so, uh, I think it's time to present the dinosaur. It's time to introduce the dinosaur. Which dinosaur? The dinosaur. Yeah, but which one? The one which we predict on our shoes on. Oh, that dinosaur. 
the dinosaur that I have chosen. Mm. I I expect that we will get back to it a lot of times. It's quite a popular uh, dinosaur. It's one of the dinosaurs that we kind of know the most about. Ooh, okay. So this is a part. Is this is um, about a very specific part of the life of this dinosaur. The dinosaur is the Spinosaurus. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So the Spinosaurus yeah. is kind of like a T Rex looking. Um, a mix between like a T-Rex and a crocodile. It has like the crocodile mm. beak. Yeah. What do you call it? Like mouth? Long mouth? Jaw. Jaws, yeah. Uh, <laughs> face. Face. Long face. Um, really big. It's 50 feet long. Ooh, that is big. It was in... Uh, uh, it was So they found it along coastlines. Uh, it said it prowled. In Morocco. <laughs> I don't think it was called Morocco back then. Um, so it has like a croc-like skull, which means that they know it liked fish. Right? Everyone agrees that it likes fish. Now, what happened with this? <laughs> now, if you don't know this, if you haven't listened before, we love paleontologists because oh. they are so great. They are so, so bitter. So psychologically fascinating. They are amazing. Does this mean that you have? I have. There are so many paleontologists in. This. this is more about them than the Spinosaurus. But does it mean that we can finally? Yes. I don't worry. Okay. We will get to it. Uh, we're going We've not. We've yet to do uh, Jody's absolute favorite bit, uh, and it's gonna happen for the first time in this episode now. So it's almost like a musical, the way this is set up. So, Nisa Ibrahim, who hmm. is, uh, I send you a photo of him because he's so hot. Oh, a really, really hot paleontologist. Hauntingly hot. Yeah. Wow, really beautiful. He's so beautiful. Gorgeous eyes. He's like a really good paleontologist. Like he doesn't seem bitter. He was just really nice about everything, and he loves the Spinosaurus, right? So what he found out recently was that. Uh, wait. So he. F- so he found out that they would swim to find the fish, right? Uh, one second. Wait, I just want to make this very because I don't want to get hate mail from these. No, I understand. You don't want to evoke the wrath of the paleontologists, <laughs> although that would be quite funny. The whole question is whether or not <laughs> whether or not the Spinosaurus was a good swimmer. Right, I love it. I because love the discussion of whether they swim or not. Oh, but this isn't whether they swim or not. It's oh, okay. how good they are at swimming. Oh. So the claim is that they might be really awkward swimmers. So, <laughs> Sorry, we have this book called Too Big to Walk. Oh, it's, it's a really so long funny. story, but um, it's a great book. You should read it. It argues that all dinosaurs swam. <laughs> and the, the argument is very basic. It's just that they were big, so they must have swum. It's the biggest book. It's bigger than the fucking Bible. It's such a big book. And it's just this angry paleontologist who's like, everyone thinks I'm wrong, but I'm right. Do you think we should send him a picture of the book in the bath and be like, the book was so big? (laughs) Anyway. So, uh, we have a person here called um, Don Henderson. And he is... It's a really bad guy. He's really, really angry. Okay. Shit. So what happened is Nisa Ibrahim goes out and he goes, I don't think they swim well. I think they awkwardly swim. That's what this new 
study shows, Don Henderson will not have it. Don Henderson is the curator of dinosaurs at the Royal Terrell Museum of Paleontology in Alberta, Canada. And this is how they speak. Yeah, I've pointed out what I think are problems to Ibrahim's team's hypothesis. And if they can't counter them with new evidence, then their hypothesis is, mixing my metaphors, dead in the water. (gasps) Science is said to be self-correcting, so here's some of the self-correcting in action. So Dan Henderson is furious, right? Does not like Nisa Ibrahim. Um, And then (laughs) the article that this is published in is equally aggressive in this whole debate. So then there's like a third guy who comes in uh, and tries to find out whether they can swim or not. And he says, the work seems pretty convincing that Spinosaurus doesn't show a body form particularly well adapted for diving and swimming underwater. And then it says, says University of Maryland paleontologist Tom Holtz, who wasn't involved with the study. Ooh, Ooh. So now there's these three paleontologists. Now, what I think we should do with Don Henderson, because he keeps returning and he has quite um, an attitude. Right? So here's what he did. Um, in order to prove... Uh, Ibrahim wrong he built a 3D model <laughs> of the dinosaur <laughs> based on this Ibrahim's new reconstruction of the Spinosaurus skeleton of course just to be like boom see <laughs> so um, he made this huge thing uh, focused on the sail so that it has like a weird kind of mm. what would you call that it has like, like a, a big frill, frill on its back yeah. It's very pretty. <laughs> it is very, very pretty. Um, so he checked whether a floating Spinosaurus could keep its head out of the water. His simulation said it could, but no better than other related dinosaurs. And then they then ask uh, Ibrahim what he thinks. Uh, and he said, Ibrahim uh, welcomed Henderson's study, but he also expressed some concerns. For one, he says, uh, he says that Henderson didn't ground truth his models with the bones themselves, a collection which Ibrahim co-curates. Um, he adds that, like all of paleontology, computer modeling of ancient animals faces its own sources of error. So they're having this battle. Uh, and then at the very end, we have a nice, the very, very nice paleontologist, David Hone, who's uh, actually at the Queen Mary University of London. We could meet him. We could meet him. And then he goes in and he finds the middle ground, which is uh, that maybe it was just kind of walking around (coughs) along the coast. Maybe it wasn't swimming (laughs) at all. Maybe it was just walking around (laughs) knee-deep, catching its fishies. So he was like trying to get um, (laughs) mom and dad to stop arguing. Now, I don't like Don Henderson... I think he's aggressive. I think he has um, some issues. So what would you like to do with Don Henderson? I want to put him in the Ross Geller corner of shame. <laughs> I believe he's the first addition to the Ross Geller uh, corner of shame. Don Henderson from Alberta, Canada. Any paleontologist that display toxic masculinity must go in the Ross Geller corner of shame. <laughs> It's the rule that we have. Yes. So far, no one's gone in it. I think Don Henderson does deserve to go in it. Absolutely. And he is there now. So what I'm trying to say <laughs> with all of this Spinosaurus 
chat mm. is that they don't know how it ate. Mm. Was it awkwardly splashing around in the water, living a doomed life that he always had to look really weird to eat? <laughs> Was he just comfortably standing at the side of the water, just chilling, nipping, nipping on some fishies? Mm. What I'm trying to say is we don't know how this dinosaur ate. But speaking of not knowing how this dinosaur ate, let's talk about food. This <laughs> <laughs> is mostly fueled by how hot um, Nisa Ibrahim is. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about food because I think that's a very interesting topic. It is. Um, so I've had an eating disorder probably from, I mean probably developed it when I was a child, like a tiny child. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of, I don't know what the right thing of, to say is. I know there are a lot of people who, there are some people who believe that you can never, ever recover from an eating disorder. You'll always have it. And then there are some who are very, very adamantly against that, saying that that's an unhealthy way of looking at it because that puts people into this like prison of I will never get better. Mm. So I don't know what I believe, but I think I know that I... It's always going to be there, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't had a disordered eating for six, seven years, I think. Uh, and then recently, and I was quite happy with that. Um, and then only a few days ago, uh, one of my close friends messaged me. And I think I was just saying to her, like, I'm going to make a lasagna tonight. And the only right response to that is, great. <laughs> Where she said, uh I wish it was me, but I've started eating healthy. And it triggered mm. everything. And next thing I know, I was chopping up a salad, which is like the equivalent of, um, like, if you're an alcoholic, that's you drinking alcohol. <laughs> it's just me going, <laughs> oh, God, I'm just eating this tomato while I was crying. Mm. And it just completely, like, washed over me. And suddenly all this shame that I'd had associated with certain foods just whooshed yeah, right yeah. back. Of course. And I found that quite interesting because it hadn't happened for so long. What a dick move. Oh, yes, yeah, she's a dick. Yeah. That's no doubt. I think the only correct question about lasagna actually is, will you be using a thick bechamel sauce or not? <laughs> uh, I used Dolmio. Is that thick? It seems thick. It's fairly thick, actually. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> What's, uh, I, I kind of jammed into some quite um, deep stuff in the beginning. What's your relationship with food? I love it. Cool. Thank you for coming to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think I also have quite a complex relationship with food. But I don't have disordered eating. Um, food is very, very important in my family. Because my family are uh, Italian. And I think everyone just communicates through food. Because why use words? Right. Wait, that uh, when you when you impersonate your mother, yeah. that's not Italian, is it? No, no, no. She they're Scottish. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're I Scottish, was like shit, Scottish I Italian. Dramatically, <laughs> misread the situation. Shit at European accents, <laughs> honestly, Sophie. No, they're Scottish. But then also, I think because they're Scottish, like food, food is just a huge thing in my family is yeah. the way that everyone gets together is always based around food. So at Christmas, it's very much like the reason why everyone gathers together is because Nana 
is going to feed us for two weeks. And she's a fucking legend at it. And we all love the food. It isn't. So if your family is like it's Italian and Scottish, mm. doesn't that equal each other out? <laughs> Uh, no, it means that we eat food in the quantities that Italians do and we fry it in the way that Scottish people do. <laughs> I can that's, respect That's that. what's happened. I can respect That's that. what's happened there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about the food. <laughs> I love, I love food. Like I'm really, I'm, I'm getting, I've not, I didn't, I've never cooked because I never really had a kitchen of my own. Mm. And then suddenly I got massively into cooking. Yeah, and now I, I, I made myself a recipe book. It has seven recipes in it so far. That's brilliant. That I've found on the internet. Yeah, well, I've what laminated them. Of course, you should. Well, I have. Uh, I tried to make stekt flesk, which is the Danish national dish, mm. uh, which was mm, it's all right, not the best. Uh, my version wasn't the best, but it's because of your meat. <laughs> I could have nailed it. We're sorry. Yeah, you should be. Uh, Just like basic stuff. There's something so therapeutic now about, I think I'm trying to get back into it. I like relearning my relationship with food. Yeah. Because food's always been kind of this, I think for a long time, and maybe, maybe I still feel this way, that it would be so much easier if food just wasn't a thing. Like if you didn't have to think about it because it's loaded with so much. And not just for me, but, most people will have some kind of complex reality, uh, like relationship with food because we've been taught that some of it's really bad and some of it's really good and it just happens to be everything that's delicious is really bad and everything that's horrible <laughs> is really good and that's just not a life. <laughs> that's not a life. <laughs> that's horrible. Have you always been comfortable talking about your disordered eating? Oh my god! I remember finding out that I had it. And it like, I think it was. I was trying to tell a few people, like if people were talking to me about when they would binge eat, and I didn't know what that meant. So people were like, "Oh my god!" Sometimes I just eat like way too much. Like sometimes I'll eat like almost a whole pizza. Oh my god! And then the other girls in my school would be like, "Oh my god, you're so fat!" Oh my god, a whole pizza, and I'd be like, oh, "Wait, <laughs> what you?" Oh, so that's, and I was like, so almost a whole pizza. And I remember, like, I would eat a whole pizza, two big bags of sweets, uh, like a liter and a half of Coke, uh, a big, uh, like, almost like half a kilo of chocolate, and like some kind of fries or chicken wings, something on the side. And that would be like a normal thing for me to do. I would eat until I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. Like I was completely numb and I couldn't, like I couldn't think, I couldn't feel anything. And I was like, oh, oh, maybe that's not good. <laughs> maybe that's not normal. Maybe that's, I remember Googling like binge eating disorder, which wasn't acknowledged as an eating disorder in Denmark at this point. I don't know if it is now. I just fucking hope it is. Uh, and I was Googling these English American websites and I was like this is me this is what I do and my brain still does it I still buy the same amounts of food I just can't eat it anymore Mm. so it's almost like my brain is still like well just in case because you don't want to not have enough yeah yeah yeah. it's the fear of running out of food Mm. which is why I take up 
most of the fridge <laughs> constantly telling my housemates like oh it's just temporary it's been temporary for six months now yeah but now that you've thrown out all of their expired food <laughs> yeah they were not happy with that <laughs> you have to throw out anything let's throw out your own <laughs> so that i can put this cow in the fridge <laughs> It's exactly the kind of thing I would do. I do love finding discounted meat that I can then freeze. Just FYI. <laughs> if you're ever looking for meat to make your Danish national dish, I can almost certainly provide it for you. Yeah, is it Danish meat? Yeah, I don't think you yeah. Can. <laughs> <laughs> can you eat in public? Um, like alone? I find that hard. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I always. I only ever become aware of that during the Fringe Festival, though, because I don't usually go and sit somewhere to eat on my own in public. It's fine if I'm like moving from place to place, but what do you what do you mean? Like you'll eat walking? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. the worst. I mean, not like in a shame that. on you. Just like I can't. <laughs> I knew you would imagine be like this. That. Imagine that <laughs> shame, shame <laughs> with a bell. <laughs> No, I can't walk and eat. It's like the... Ah! It's the worst. You can't walk and eat at the same time. Like, Too what? many inputs. I can't, well, I can't eat outside at all. Okay. I don't like... I don't you like mean, uh, do you mean... In a, you don't mean like in a restaurant. You mean like on the street? I mean street? everywhere outside. Okay. I don't like air getting into my food. Fair. Do you know why that is? I just don't... Air is full of... You don't know. What's, and things can come down from birds and stuff. I just I feel incredibly okay. unsafe eating outside. I know someone that can't eat outside because a seagull once stole their ice cream when they were a child. <laughs> And ever since they've been like, no, the birds will take it. So it's okay, I'm not I'm not judging. Oh sorry, I just thought of something. this is I thought something that's so terrible I'm gonna have to do it in a terrible person um thing at some point. So I, I look can't forward. say it right okay, now. Okay, I won't look at it. I won't look at it at all. This is so good. <laughs> oh no. I don't know. I think I'm so I'm writing this book about fatness mm. and I've kind of had to face a lot of like food. I've had to go through my whole life and my whole relationship with food uh like when I was a child. And it's quite fun. Like I spoke on the phone with my mother and I said to her yesterday I was going to try and make this Danish dessert called like an it's called like apple cake. So it's just like a bunch of boil like apple porridge and then you put uh whipped cream on and like like some like crunchy cake oh Ugh. it's so good Stop. and i said it to my mother i was like i'm gonna make this apple cake and she went you don't like that i was like oh, I'm <laughs> oh okay cool that's not true and she said no because your grandfather liked that i was like oh okay <laughs> um But I, I like it. She was like, no, you don't. It's just he liked it and your your grandmother didn't like it and then you didn't like it when he liked it. And it was such a weird uh, association she'd made in her brain. Mm. Like just decided. And then I started doubting. I was like, do I? I think I like it. Because <laughs> I'm so not in touch with what I actually like. Like a lot of food has always been for me something to just stuff in my face until I couldn't breathe mm -hmm. it's not been like mm, oh what tastes do I actually like I just want to listen to my body right now that's what I want to do I just want to be like <laughs> like what is it that I actually want do you know what I mean 
Oh my god! I found I was studying um, stuff about mindful re- uh, mindful eating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the idea of mindful eating, I think, is good. Yeah. The idea that you have to feel what your body wants and then give your body that and then eat until you're full, whatever. All of that makes sense because that's basically just going back to how you eat when you're a child before they fill you, fill you with bullshit about shame and what's good and bad and how many calories you have to eat and blah, 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 blah. But then I found all these websites that had rules for mindful eating. And some of them were like, um, when you eat, think about how the food will make you look. What? Whoa. <laughs> and then it was like... Um, Uh, always eat um, in peace and quiet and don't be stressed out when you eat. And then the next one was always eat with friends. Like who is not stressed out (laughs) about eating with friends? This just sounds like a really pressurizing sitch to mindfully eat and to be with friends. It's impossible. Can we just, speaking of how food makes you look though, Mm -hmm. can we just address the fact that earlier when we ate that chicken, we did look really good. Oh, the gold chicken. Yeah. Can we talk about it? We, uh, I mean, we've now become famous. Um, <laughs> so we thought we'd treat ourselves to some chicken, which had uh, 24 karat gold on it. Yeah. I want to make it clear that we were given it for free and that I would never have engaged with something as disgustingly capitalist. But also it was like eight pounds. Yeah. If we hadn't, like... Yes, yeah. it, it wasn't like it's accessible. <laughs> it wasn't a million pound chicken, but it was really good. It was, it was delicious, and I I don't know whether it was the gold or the frying that made it tasty. And I actually I my the like working class child that lives within me is disgusted that I ate chicken that was covered in gold. I can't believe we did it, but I also am really glad we did, and it was really good. It was really good. It was really good. Do you, are you ever with people, not with people, like, are you ever around, are you still, do you have anyone in your social circle who would still shame you about food? Yeah, absolutely. Really? So many people. It makes me so angry still because I don't, un- it's often the people that have more experience with disordered eating that do it, which I find fascinating, which I yeah. understand in a way because I'm like, if they're feeling a lot of shame around food, then of course it makes sense that they would want someone else to feel more shame around food yeah. than they do yeah. I guess so I do I do get that but I've always just found it a, a strange thing to do I don't know why we would ever judge what someone else is eating did I ever tell you have I told have I told about this on the podcast before about the burger in Dubai <laughs> no but it seems specific <laughs> I feel like I must have mentioned it before my brother lives in Dubai and I went mm. to visit him it's just horrible. He's at this point. I don't know what he does now, but at this point, he was raw food, vegan, uh, paleo. Like he only ate like grass and dust. Oh my god! <sighs> and raw food is poopy shit. I what is wanted, with that? I could not. Like it was it's like what people are like. Oh, but you can have such. Sorry, I'm. I'm no sure rants. your brother speaks. Like, but you can have such a good diet with raw food. And it's like yeah, in Hawaii. <laughs> We live in a country of tubers. I don't want to eat a raw potato. That's like what is an offer in Britain? Potato and 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 poopy bread. Poopy bread. <laughs> Just you shouldn't 
people are like, I fermented it rather than cooking it. And I'm like, why not just cook it? No, no, cook it. Scientifically, the whole reason that we managed to evolve is because we made bread and we cooked on a fire. It's bullshit. And it's just another word for controlling people and controlling people's eating. And I just, I hated it. And I was also, I was like on a come down from having eaten normal food. Mm. And then suddenly I was in Dubai and I, there was nothing. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was so hungry. And I was looking through his cupboards. And all I could find was like almonds. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. He had like a 93% uh, chocolate bar. Oh, it was like feces. It was so gross. <laughs> so after I'd eaten all of that, <laughs> I, we've just been like, <laughs> you should never shame someone for what they eat. And we're like, this poopy chocolate <laughs> tastes like poopy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm Seems okay with that. I become very immature when I discuss food. <laughs> I was just so I'm 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 now reliving how hungry I was. So I went. I'm to, sorry. No, it's good. It's good. I, I agree with you. I then went. I was like, fuck everything. So I went out and um, went to a um, what's it called? International House of Pancakes, mm. which is just American <laughs> and it's big and it's greasy. And I was like, yes. And I just went in and I just ordered this food and I started eating. And then there were these uh, women, and like everyone in Dubai, it just looks like a model. Like it's it's a horrible place. It's a, a morally disgusting place to be, and it's not a nice place. It's just it's all about money and looks, and uh, I don't like it. Uh, so these like six women sitting in a booth, uh, looking uh, the way you're meant to look, basically like Barbie dolls. And I was that was fine. You can look whatever you want. But I was and I was just eating, and I could I could sense that they were looking at me like doing that like oh my god <laughs> kind mm. of thing like oh, oh my god and I could just see it, I could feel it, I could sense it. Like I've been laughed at before, I've been stared at before, like all of that. I know it so well. I think that's normal for a lot of fat people. We just know when we're being stared at like that. Or like anyone who doesn't look the way you're meant to conventionally look. We know when people yeah. stare at us. And I was like, oh, fuck, I was just eating. And I was just starting to feel really bad. And I was like, oh, this is really horrible. And, oh, God, I don't want to be. I started feeling shameful about eating. And I could, like, try and see myself from the outside. Like, oh, I'm a, oh, just a fat woman just eating this food. And it's such a cliche. And uh, all these pictures you've seen of fat people eating in restaurants. And they're being shared on Reddit. And, oh, I just felt like all this. And then it was like, I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. But it was almost like. I managed to flip it around and part of me was like no and I, I was so full because I hadn't eaten for a week and now I was eating something good I was so full American sized burger with fries and everything but I called over the waiter and I said can I have the same thing again and, and the women heard me and they did that like oh my god like it was like it was the best day of their lives. They're like this is amazing. They were so happy that this was happening because they couldn't believe they were seeing like a unicorn in the wild. And um, uh, so the waiter came back with the food, and then I turned around and I looked at them, and I looked them in the eyes as I was eating this other burger, like yes. just ketchup <laughs> down my cheek, and I didn't give a fucking. Oh, yes. And I just ate, and they became so uncomfortable, and they were just like <laughs> pretending they'd never looked at me, and they were like looking at each other, like because see one of them was like, "Let's please let us go," mm. and the others was like trying to be a bit more alpha about it and like stare back, but I was just staring at them, just eating, just stuffing food into my throat. <laughs> Until they left, like they just left. Like we left, like they still have stuff on the table. They just left, <laughs> and it felt, it, it felt so good. 
well done. It felt so good. I, I have so, so much respect full. that oh my you God, intensely I... ate a burger at those women. <laughs> but it was something about uh, the difference between being the object and then be- like becoming the subject. Like mm. It's just mm-hmm. this like, oh, hold on. Oh, I'm not like an accessory to their life. I can turn yeah. this around and make them the accessory in my life. And now I they're my you. entertainment. I did do a similar thing at the Ben and Jerry's Festival. What? The yes. ben- What's that? Welcome to the revolution. Did you, get, did you get to meet them? No, but you pay a fixed price for the ticket and then it's unlimited ice cream. What? Yes. Where is this? Well, when I went, it was on Clapham Common. I don't know if it's still there. I'm lactose intolerant. I hurt myself that day. <laughs> um, it was really bad. I, I, it's very easy for me to get lured into a challenge with food. Um... <laughs> And a, fr- a friend of mine basically was like, being like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't overdo it on the ice cream. And I was like, I'm going to eat every single ice cream that is available. There were 30. There were 30. Um, oh and I ate, I ate them. Oh my, how much of each? An ice cream. So like, like a cone be- with like an ice cream an ice cream on it. I like don't know what the definable cone. unit of ice cream, a cow of ice cream. Scoop. A scoop. A scoop. Thank you. 30 scoops of Ben and Jerry. I think I'm in love with you. <laughs> when you look at me, do I just look like a talking tub of Ben and Jerry's? No, you look like 30. <laughs> 30 spoonfuls. It was an incredible day. Gary Newman was playing on the main stage because they have music What's as well. What CEO are you hallucinating? <laughs> it's like, Gary Newman, dad? <laughs> la, 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 la. Milk dreams. <laughs> I respect that so much. Thank you. I do. It's a nice feeling of, like, you. sometimes I think you do have to do something kind of dramatic to violently go through all the uh, the stuff you've been taught. Yeah. To just aggressively be like, no, fuck it, I'm gonna. But then I feel like whenever someone else tries to control the way I eat or my food, and I definitely feel this with my family, because my family have, like, a weird double thing where... They're, f- they're feeders, like they really want you to eat. And they, everyone loves cooking and everyone loves providing food, but they're also very body shamey. Mm. They'll also like touch touch your neck. They'll prod. They're interesting people. Um, <laughs> like, please, yes, touch my neck. Um, but it means that I definitely get into a place where even if I don't want to eat, I'll end up like eating more as a fuck you. Yeah. 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 And I think that's okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and like, I know that it's also like it's just another way of not doing what your body wants you to do. But I like that better. Yeah, like spiteful eating. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing <laughs> yeah, tastes as good as revenge food. <laughs> Exploding from the pot of spaghetti like a kraken from the deep. <laughs> Carbs. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I still have that to finish your uh, plate. Like finish what's on your plate. I'm yeah. 30 next month, and I still go, oh, should, I should need to eat all of this. I'm just rocking waste, not want not. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a deep thought. I'm just hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I've suddenly felt really hungry. <laughs> we did time eating before the show really well, I think. Yeah. I don't think I'm really hungry. I think I just, yeah. I'm just jealous of... Um, the problem with Ben and Jerry's is that <laughs> the good thing about Ben and Jerry's is that there's loads of stuff in it. But the bad mm. thing is it's not enough. 
You mean the the filler content, like the cookie yeah. dough? Or the, I feel like yeah, it should be cookie dough with ice cream and not ice cream with cookie dough. Well, that's why I like the witches, which is two cookies with the ice cream in the middle. Yeah, that is also good. Mm. Do you? What do you not like? What do you like? What don't you like? What's your favorite food? Um, sushi. <gasps> whoop oh. whoop! <laughs> sushi lovers in the house. <laughs> Middle class podcast content. <laughs> I never had it when I was uh, growing up, like ever. And then when I was like 17, I got ta- like it was a friend's birthday party, and we <laughs> went to a sushi place, as you do when you attend the pet school for girls. And uh, they were like, "Order whatever you want," and I didn't know what anything was, so I like ordered randomly, and it was this huge, huge dish of. I know I was like, "I'll, I'll have the plate, please." <laughs> um, Yeah, it was just this huge dish of raw fish. And it was, ugh, sweet, sweet nutrients. I've never looked back. So she is amazing. I agree mm. with that. I um, I would eat the things that I didn't like for a while. Like, I don't actually like chocolate. I just never liked chocolate. Mm. But then my therapist once said to me, she was like, trying, what she was trying to say was, listen, eat what you want. Like, if you want to eat something, just eat it. Like, that's fine. What she said was, for example, if you're really depressed and then you just want, like, a chocolate bar, just eat the chocolate bar. And then my brain interpreted that as, eat a chocolate bar. (laughs) (laughs) I've eaten so much chocolate. And each time I've been like, I don't... mm." I've just never been consciously thinking about whether or not I like the chocolate. It's not until recently I was like... I don't like the chocolate. <laughs> I actually like it. I just, huh. <laughs> I get that. I'm incredibly unmindful, especially if I'm told something is a treat food mm. because I'm used to treat foods not being available. When they are available, I'm like, well, I'll have to, I'll have to have the treat food. <laughs> I'll make a palace out of the treat food and live within it for the next 10 years. <laughs> It's like a buffet. Yeah. Oh, it hurts me. Buffets hurt me because I'm like, but that, Do I have to choose? But what about the stuff <laughs> I don't eat? I'll never eat that again then. I need... Ah, there's not many of those left. I'll have to eat them then. You would have hated where I went last Christmas with my family, which was to um, World Kitchen. 50 cuisines in one, all oh you can God. eat. We'll go. Well, my brother took me to one of those mm. in Dubai. And they were like you, like, you wouldn't have time to see all of the dishes. Yeah. But he was still vegan paleo blah blah so i didn't feel like i could properly indulge it was like torture i'm so sorry oh, no i'm fine i'll just take a bit of this i was like oh, man. <laughs> 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 I eat all of the food. at one point i was just eating along the buffet so i could come back to the table <laughs> like oh i only wanted the salad <laughs> there was tomato sauce around my mouth like yum yum <laughs> salads yay <laughs> My uh, my mother genuinely believes that I... My mum so wants me to indulge and love all food, which I do, and I love cooking, and I love eating, and I, I love providing food as well, as is the Mitchell family way. Um, but she so wants that for me that she genuinely thinks that I don't like peanut butter rather than that I am allergic to peanuts, which is the truth. <laughs> so, like, when we go to, like, anywhere where there's, like, a curry house it's often where it happens she'll always order a satay dish and she'll be like try the satay dish it's delicious and I'll be like I'm allergic she'll be like oh, 
you've got to stop making excuses for just not liking something. You know, like, no, I am al- <laughs> no, I am allergic. <laughs> I'll throw up. She's like, oh, you've got to get over that. I'm like, You're right. I, I should try, try harder. <laughs> My mother has a rule that she won't cook anything with more than three ingredients. That, that includes what? like the main ingredient and like from the main ingredients was salt. My mother has salt and pepper. That's it. It took us a few years to force basil on her. I feel like we're going to add a third spice. <laughs> so it's like pasta, sausages, ketchup, and that's it. I thought you like, were going to say it's now just like a basil leaf with some salt and pepper on it. <laughs> What a, what a useful scoop for my. She just like never like. She just never cared about food. She thinks this is mm. the most annoying thing in the world. She just hates cooking. I just never had like. I, I was eighteen when I first saw an avocado, and mm. I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was eating at my boyfriend's house for the first time, and I was like, what is this? And his mother was like, oh god, <laughs> who have you found? <laughs> you found her in some forest where she's lived for eighteen years. <laughs> What is this fancy thing? It's an avocado. <gasps> wow. Where did you go to get that? Oh, the shops. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just amongst the vegetables. What is vegetables? <laughs> so I think a lot of it's also, um, what, is it, what do you call it? Like a rebellion against my mother mm. and like her. Like oversimplistic. Okay. Oversimplistic food thing. Mm. I feel like we can return to food at some point. Food is yes. such an interesting one. Absolutely. Uh, once I've made you the um, apple cake. Yeah, which you now will so do. Good. It's so good. Um, <clears throat> I feel like maybe, now that we've covered the intense topic of food, yes. it's time for the bedtime story. Yay. <sighs> so, as you know, we did discover this incredible thing, which is dinosaur erotica and it's time for our weekly celebration of what an amazing thing it is so are we all sitting comfortably then we'll begin Uh, so this is the summary of in the velociraptor's nest by christy sims and alara branwen warning This is a tale of beast sex. This story was written to unlock your darkest fantasies and innermost desires. It is not for the faint of heart, and it is not your mother's erotica. (laughs) All of the sexual descriptions found in this book are very explicit in nature. It's not suitable for someone under 18 years of age. Read... At your own risk. Azog is an underappreciated cavewoman in her tribe. (laughs) The cavemen treat her... I know, it's relatable content, isn't it? (laughs) The cavemen treat her like a piece of meat. They do as they please. Azog cannot even resist unless she proves herself as a hunter. When she goes out in search of fresh meat, she discovers a clutch of baby velociraptors and decides to kill them 
and triumphantly bring them back to her tribe. That is, until their father shows up and blocks Azog's way out of the cave. Azog must use all of her womanly wiles to get out of the cave, which includes doing things she had never dreamed of. So here are some reviews. <laughs> She's going to go to my favourite one, which is written by Velocifaptor. <laughs> it is good. The title of this review is Pure Dinosaurgasm. And they've given it five stars. I was at a stagnant place in my love life when I purchased this book. I hadn't been able to get aroused by the usual erotic novels that women like me take a common liking towards, so I was just taking a shot in the dark with this book. I've always been a fan of dinosaurs, <laughs> but never knew how much I truly loved them until I got to page three of this masterpiece. I began to feel wet immediately. Something about the description of this mid-sized dromosaurid was getting me hot and bothered again. I was hooked as if the claws of the reptilians in this book had reached out and touched me with arousal themselves. <laughs> Trust me, ladies, whether you're a hardcore dinosaur fan or just mildly amused by the film Jurassic Park, <laughs> this is not a book you want to pass up. In the Velociraptor's Nest will give you that pleasant sensation you've been looking for and you'll find yourself relished for the rasp of a raptor's tongue. I give it five out of five stars. <laughs> and then B. Spilker says, one star. I expected to be disgusted with myself, not with the grammar. <laughs> I did read on. The grammar was quite poor. <laughs> but that's okay. As long as there's dinosaur sex. That's a sentence I wasn't <laughs> expecting to say at any point in my life. Um, you've now been to a cult meeting, meaning that you are now a uh, member. So you need to be um, taught the official cult greeting. So what you do when you see myself or your um, your other cult leader, uh, Jody, in the world in public you might see us walking down the street one day uh jody will probably be eating something uh and i'll be walking next to her going how can you do this this is so weird <laughs> the wind gets into your food <laughs> takes away the taste and you'll see us walking in the street and then um uh this is how you then greet us so to let us know that you're part of the cult what you do is you put your hands behind your head and like make like a frill and then you go shh and then we respond by going, uh, "What the fuck was, was that? that? The Who wind? That so Who oh my god! That? What was they did? Oh they god. want your food? Like go the fuck yourself! It's just like hashtag me too, hashtag me too. And anyways, and then <laughs> and that's how you'll know that we know it's you. Uh, <laughs> Jody, do you have anything you want to plug? Yes, come along to my queer, all women, and non-binary mixed bill comedy night. 
It's called The Lol Word. It's always epic. And it's on on the last Thursday of every month at the Albany on Great Portland Street. There will be no cis men on the lineup. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and you should also follow my drag king troupe, Pex, because we're always up to something cheeky and sexy. What about you? <laughs> I want you to say mine because you have such a nice athlete. Come to my... I can't have the same enthusiasm. Um, say mine. It's a work in progress show and I do it in London working on my new show. Say that in a sp- spunky way. <laughs> Is spunk the right word? Maybe not. <laughs> wow. If you want to come along and see something that's not quite finished yet... Be. That's the whole point of a work in progress. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. It's not a, a sick burn. It's, it's Imagine true. if I genuinely expected you to create all of your award-winning content on the spot without any edit or time to develop it. I mean, the pressure is kind of hard. Mm. Uh, no, I need to do a lot of shows before it becomes properly good. <laughs> But I really love this new show, and I'm going to do a bunch of work in progress show, uh, shows all over London and eventually also all over uh, the UK, possibly Denmark as well, possibly more places. Uh, all the dates and tickets and stuff is on my website, sophiehagen.com. And then I have another podcast called Made of Human, in which I speak to people about life, which is how we uh, first did a podcast together, Jodie. It is. Thank you for being amazing. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for coming. And, thank you. Uh, thank thank you. you can follow us on Twitter at Secret Dino Cult. On Instagram and Facebook as Secret Dinosaur Cult. Sign up for our newsletter on secretdinosaurcult.com where you can also find tickets for our future live cult meetings and you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Secret Dinosaur Cult is a Dying Alone limited production produced by Justine Hughes, jingled by Harriet Brain and artwork by Gavin Smart. This podcast was recorded at the Phoenix Artists Club. 